1: in a world where movies rely on marketing more than ever to connect with audiences one podcast aims to make sense of it all this is movies and marketing
0: next saturday night we're sending you back
1: to the future go ahead make my day how about new, you crazy dutch bastard? What we've got here is
0: failure to communicate. Take a look around, we the threshold of hell!
1: But we might
0: as well have a good time. I am an FBI agent!
1: There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of magic? The darkest magic. They call it Little China. It's where Big Trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Way to go, Jack. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble. In Little China.
0: It's a big day, Patrick. It's a big day. A long time coming. Feels like only yesterday, some young boys stumbled in front of the TV, saw a life changing film, thinking, I want to be a truck driver, gets into all sorts of supernatural adventures. And that's exactly what we did.
1: If you don't know what we're talking about, audience, today we are talking about. The Anniversary Rewind of Big Trouble in Little China.
0: The 1986 film starring Kurt Russell, the great Kurt Russell. So why are we talking about this movie? A few different reasons. 35th anniversary, as Patrick mentioned, so I don't know. Do people talk about 35th anniversaries? They should. It's, you know, as valid as any other anniversary. But also... They're coming out with a a remake or a reimagining of this movie pretty soon, starring The Rock. Somebody else we talked about Mm -hmm. recently on this podcast. Not sure how I feel about that. Uh, Don't know. Maybe it'll make more people see, talk about the original Big Trouble in Little China. So there's that. And
1: above all else, we just wanted a reason to rewatch this movie, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the main thing. This is one of those movies I think pops up a lot, so any reason, any anniversary that gave us a, a good reason to just revisit it and, and dive totally into it. So we're going to do it. We're going to re-watch the whole thing and we're going to talk about it, hand out some awards for the film. But before we get there, let's talk a little history. So as I mentioned, this movie came out in 1986. was directed by John Carpenter. That's the man who made Halloween and the Thing. Stars of the movie. Kurt Russell... Kim Cattrall, star of Mannequin, Sex and the City. Dennis Dunn, James Hong, Victor Wong, and Kate Burton. Don't know if you know those names, you might. Do you want to read for us, Patrick, the plot synopsis? This is a good one.
1: Kurt Russell plays a hard-boiled truck driver, Jack Burton, who gets caught in a bizarre conflict within and underneath San Francisco's Chinatown. An ancient Chinese prince and Chinatown crime lord has kidnapped a beautiful green-eyed woman who is the fiancé to Jack's best friend. Jack must help his friend rescue the girl before the evil Lo Pan uses her to break the ancient curse that keeps him a fleshless and immortal spirit. Sounds complicated. It does sound complicated.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I would, you know, hearing that synopsis, that would be something I'd want to see. But, you know, once you do see it, you're like, It's amazing. So let's talk box office numbers on this thing. Opened July 2nd. This was a summer movie. Over 1,053 theaters. Grossed $2.7 million in its opening weekend. Went on to gross just $11.1 million in North America. Well below its estimated $25 million budget. According to Box Office Mojo, it's number 72 on the list of movies that came out in 1986. Coming in behind such movies as Critters. You remember Critters?
1: Yes, I do. Furry, I do remember Furry ball critters.
0: creatures. Soul Man. Uh-huh. You remember that one? I remember that movie. And <laughs> Howard the Duck, Notorious Bomb, did better than this movie <laughs> at the box
1: office. Pretty sad. One of the things about this movie is that it has achieved cult status in the years since the movie was released, right? So it's definitely redeemed itself in that way.
0: Yeah, it's like you mentioned, Cult Classic, one of these super rewatchable cable movies. Anytime it's on HBO, it's just sucking you in. You would think word of mouth on it would just have been good enough that people would have been like, check this thing out. Yeah. It's got that level
1: of comedy and action and mysticism it's a lot of different genres of movie in one which is i think what makes it rewatchable
0: yeah those things you mentioned are what made it stand up over time also Mm -hmm. made people not know what to do with it at the time it came out it took a while for you to figure out what is this movie you know where does it stand it's not what i thought it was gonna be i don't know how to come at this thing but those are usually Mm -hmm. the movies you want to come back to
1: yeah We often talk about that here on MoMA, right? Is like part of the marketing problem a lot of times in movies and why they either do poorly or suffers is because the marketing agencies or the studios just don't know what to do with it. Like they don't even know how to talk about the movie. They don't know how to pitch it to people in turn. Then people don't know what to make of this movie and then they don't go to it because they're like, what is that about? I don't even understand it. You know, we talk about the poster art for this movie is fantastic
0: One of those posters that gives you collage of everything that's happening in the movie, you know, characters, action, it's all kind of mixed in there with Kurt Russell over top of that. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. It is a tough movie to sell. I don't know that you'd know just seeing that, what to make of this movie. It's cool when you know the movie to look at it. If I didn't know the movie, if I'd look at that and be like, what the hell's going on here?
1: Yeah, there's a semi-truck. He's got an Uzi in one hand, and he's got a dagger stuffed into his jeans. (laughs) (laughs) um it is really bizarre but it's so of the time that it feels like a big giant gulp of nostalgia the way that it's crafted it feels like i don't know like a star wars movie poster almost of that era. yeah
0: yeah similar style you know that's similar obviously in space but they took like that same idea where it's put all the characters on there show some of the action happening uh and give people a sense of that story and scope Uh, But in here, it's much more like crazy and confusing in a great way. I think, you know, once you see it and Kurt Russell on there is just amazing. He's so like oiled up and his clothes look like they're like painted on. (laughs) It's like everything's so tight. He's got a slicked back mullet. He's just amazing in the movie, but he's just fantastic on the poster.
1: Yeah. And I saw some really cool marketing things that they did around the same time. They released these ads and it was just that image of him. And it just said really big, who is Jack Burton? But nobody really knew who Jack Burton was before the movie. So like nobody really like, okay, I don't <laughs> know who is Jack Burton, you know? But it's kind of an interesting way of trying to sell this movie. Talking about the main character when nobody really knows who this main character is. When you would say... You know, who is Rambo? Everybody kind of knew who Rambo was at that point, right? Yeah, or Indiana Jones or something like that. Right, right. But they were trying to take that angle with nobody (laughs) ever seeing the movie. So it was like, hmm, okay. But one thing that I think hurt this movie, the competition was heavy that year. You know, this movie competed that year with the other movie that was very much like it, The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy.
0: Yeah, supposedly they raced... To get it
1: out before the golden child. Yeah, they wanted to beat it to the box office and around the same time, the Karate Kid part two, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Labyrinth, Short Circuit, those movies in the actual theater at the same time.
0: Yeah. Also shortly after this, and I think Kurt Russell and John Carpenter pointed out that one of the big reasons was everybody was talking about aliens was the big movie of the summer that was coming out like shortly after this movie. So they thought Two that weeks. took yeah took some of the attention away from it. I don't know if that quite accounts for how low it opened, but yeah. yeah, there was a lot going on. And even, you know, you point to The Golden Child. The Golden Child was like a big hit. Granted, Eddie Murphy was on fire at that point, but yeah, maybe everybody was more interested in that movie and not so much what was going on with this movie.
1: Yeah. How can you not love some of the stuff in this movie, right?
0: Don't you think it's more easy over time to love a movie that wasn't super popular in the beginning you know what i mean when everybody knows something Mm -hmm. when it first comes out it's not as exciting to like discover it as it is something Mm -hmm. that's lesser known and you find it on cable or find it because people are talking about it or it becomes like this little movie that people just talk about and start referencing and you're like oh you know that movie too you like that movie too that's like a much easier movie to embrace than it is something like the golden child that everybody has seen it everybody already knows about it yeah
1: great example of that would be christmas vacation right that was a flop but look at it now i don't know a person who doesn't reference it at christmas time
0: yeah it's one of our top christmas movies where at the time it came out in the theater it was just a movie another vacation movie
1: yeah now it's a classic look at that
0: before we start you know last thing we'll talk about your personal history with (laughs) btilc What we're calling Big Trouble in Little China now. I'm sure that's going to catch on.
1: Yeah, B-Tilk.
0: <laughs> so how many times have you seen it? When was the last time you saw it? Give us the rundown.
1: The first time I saw it, I think it was on HBO. I'm pretty sure that that was it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm the yeah. same way. I can't remember like sitting down to watch it for a first time. I feel like it was just like a multiple exposure thing. And I think it was definitely like HBO. I feel like it was just Playing on a loop for like years on HBO when I was young. That was kind of my
1: childhood of TV movie exposure was cable back then. You had HBO, maybe MTV.
0: That was it. There should be a society of kids who grew up in the 80s with HBO because it is like a connection because at that time, it's not like now or even like in the 90s where there was like all these channels that were playing movies all the time. Nobody else was really playing movies other than HBO and they're just playing movies nonstop. So you're just like, I'm just going to keep HBO on. Just going to see like what they're cycling through on movies day after day. Over and over and over and
1: over again. And it was just playing all the time. They weren't like switching it up
0: all that much.
1: No, but as a home viewer of these movies, it was glorious because you got to see quality movies on your television and you didn't have to go buy the VHS tape. So it was great. And I'll say this, in a comparison, which I think you would relate to, watching HBO in our youth is a lot like how we listened to music then. It's the reason why certain albums are seared, seared into our memory. You listen to that song, you listen to that record, that tape over and over and over and over and over again, because it was all that you had available to you 24 hours a day, right? Mm -hmm. Now... You can listen to anything you want. You can watch any movie you want. You have so much content. It is just insane, right? You could never possibly watch it all. The stuff that you just have available to you. That's why I say HBO then and watching these movies. Like This is why we love
0: Big Trouble in Little China. Just enough exposure. Now it's the kind of movie maybe you'd watch once or twice and it would like slip through the cracks. But back then you got enough exposure where you're like starting to pick up on mm-hmm. those little details that you'd probably miss now. You know, the way you talk about it, HBO, similar to like MTV too, the same thing where you're just seeing the same videos over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also back then you're like, give me more choices. Now you're kind of like, hmm, wasn't that bad. Not having that many choices.
1: Yeah. Now I still get laughed at by my own family when I'm just scrolling through the list going, God, I don't know, man. There's just too many <laughs> things don't... to even choose from.
0: Right. Yeah. Paralysis.
1: It is. It's mental paralysis. You're just like, I I don't know, that could be on my list. This could be on my list. And suddenly you're adding things to your list that you never end up watching because you're just adding things to your list all the time.
0: I know. I feel like I spend more time thinking about what I'm going to watch than actually watching things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every year I make a resolution to go, this year I'm going to be better at just selecting the first thing that I go, oh, that looks interesting. As opposed to going, eh, I'll go see if there's anything else on that (laughs) (laughs) list. You know? Yeah.
0: Just got to pick.
1: Yeah. All right. We should probably get to the movie, huh? We probably should get to the movie. So for our listeners, essentially, we're going to go ahead and rewatch Big Trouble in Little China. And then give you a little recap synopsis of our feelings of rewatching this movie
0: yeah hand out some awards too so stick around this is
1: jack burton in the pork chop express and i'm talking to whoever's listening out there it's a pretty amazing planet we live on here and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe we just got done watching big trouble in little china once again after many years
0: yeah, you return to it in mm-hmm. all of its glory. So we've got three awards
1: for our listeners today, paying tribute to this movie.
0: Yeah, man, there's just so much in this movie. There's like so many little things, and it's one of these things that as you watch it over and over, there's at least like 20 things that jumped out to me that I feel like I never even noticed before. I was even re-watching it, I was like, I don't remember this. I feel like I've never even seen that thing before, even though I've probably seen this 10 times.
1: So what's something that you appreciated this time around?
0: I'll say the whole movie is one of these like kind of unicorn movies in that it's kind of a total mess, but if it wasn't a total mess, it wouldn't be as good as it is. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean by that? It's like, it just, there's so much in there. They're just like shoving so many things in there at like every turn. And that's what makes it good. Um, It's what also makes it kind of like, Absurd! It's just like the stuffing is falling out of every, every like part of it. You know what I mean? Like they have so much to explain and so much is happening and some of the stuff they don't even explain, but by the end you're just like, it's fine. Whatever, you know, whatever. I'm just enjoying the ride.
1: Yeah. I think what is interesting about this movie is that they use the characters to describe and to really like narrate the movie And things that you don't know what's going on, like, you know, the backstory of this mysticism, this legend. And they're sort of filling you in with these characters along the way, like long extended explanations as to why things are happening. But it's like kind of Mm self-aware. You know what I mean? Like it's doing all of those things. And then they'll use commentary by those same characters that sort of poke fun at it.
0: And they're just constantly like dropping new things in there. And it's the idea that like this is all kind of ridiculous. I think they are totally aware of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my first award for this movie would be uh, the best movie character who refers to himself in the third person award. It's got to go to Jack Burton.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think who else would even be in the running. Yeah. But he's definitely, he's taken that one home. He's got a lot of great Jack Burton references, particularly in the beginning and at the end.
1: Yeah. When he's talking to the bad guy, he's like, you know what Jack Burton mm-hmm. would say in a situation? Like, come on, I mean,
0: you know. The guy's like, who's Jack Burton? <laughs> Me.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a great award. I do love the fact that character has himself so built up in his own mind Yet mm-hmm. throughout the movie, we see him over and over. This is another thing I think I picked up on more. I've seen it in other rewatches, but it's just how much he actually fails in this movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like blundering through it. And yet he has this like confidence. That you go, yeah, I believe in this guy, even though he's not shown me any reason to believe in him. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. And how often do you yeah. see all that like ineptitude and failure with like the main character in a movie? It's kind of, I think,
1: how people can relate to that. It's kind of what happens in life. People screw up. And then you get these little glory moments in your life where you're like, man, everything went right, right at that moment. And that was what Jack Burton is. This dude has a rough time making it through things.
0: But man, that moment when he was able to shine, right? The stars align and he's like, still got it. Yeah. Along those same lines, one of my awards, which you got to award Kurt Russell... Because he is this movie. I mean, he really makes this movie in a lot of ways. He's just got so many good lines. He's constantly making you laugh. He's constantly almost like every line he delivers. He adds Mm -hmm. even the simplest one adds some sort of like comedy to it or, or something gives it some sort of zing makes you laugh and brings you along for this ride. So my first award was the best performance based entirely on reactions and questions. Because I feel like his dialogue (laughs) is almost entirely being like, who is this? What are we doing? Why are we here? Or just reacting to what's happening, being like, oh, great. What? God. Almost like all of his dialogue is just reactions and questions.
1: As an actor, I think he's just got a certain charisma that I think he can pull off an action comedian. Whatever that is, he, you know, I think his ability to carry that movie is there.
0: Yeah, and just walking that line between action and comedy, and he sells it all 100%. So Kurt Russell can't yeah. say enough about him in this movie.
1: <sighs> I said this during the movie, my other award, what I would call the Unreasonable Things Award. Based on his quote in the movie, I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some unreasonable things.
0: And that's a good one, too. And there are a lot of unreasonable things that happen
1: (laughs) (laughs) time and time again. You watch this movie and you go, you just accept it. Right. It's the suspension of disbelief. You know, like there are movies where you watch it and you go, come on. But in this movie, you have no problem at all ever with what's happening in it. It's just bizarrely normal.
0: Yeah, but it's just happening from the get-go. And I think part of that is just the uh, propulsiveness of this movie. It just starts from the beginning and it just starts going and barreling along like Jack Burton's truck. You don't even have a minute to think about how ridiculous or crazy it is. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sound effects in this movie. My next award, the most whooshing sound effects Blades spinning, Mm. bodies flipping for like 75% of this movie. You're hearing some sort of something is spinning. Something is moving. Something is being twirled really quickly more than you're actually seeing fighting. You're seeing guys spinning blades, spinning uh, staffs, spinning, you know, swords, something like that, flipping around, Preparing for battle even though they're not actually battling.
1: They're like flying through the air and they're clashing swords and they do that like 15 times in this middle sequence of the movie and you're like, how many times are they going to do this? And they never really do anything
0: else. No, they show them so many times flipping through the air and at the end, that end sequence, there's a lot of flipping through the air at some point I was like, who's even flipping through the air at this point? I just know people are flipping through the air, you know? Yeah. It's a
1: great way they needed to fill time in this movie. And they were like, what can we do right here? We could probably kill two minutes if we just show people <laughs> flipping through the air, right?
0: And that's what they did. It's like two minutes of somebody spinning a sword around. <laughs> do you need
1: another two minutes? We've got this hairy creature... It looks like distorted Bigfoot. We're going to put him in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Grab Kim Cattrall by the head and slowly pull her into a doorway.
1: (laughs) It's weird. So, yeah, then I would probably say my last award would go to the movie as a whole. This movie is very dreamlike. It's like the quote that I pulled out from the movie when Egg says, only a dream can kill a dream. Let me tell you something. I don't want to kill this dream. I like this movie. I think this is a very dreamy
0: movie, something that's fun to watch, and I'd highly recommend it. Great quote. I like that. And you even pointed out, you know, we even talked about, well, watching the movie, this idea, you asked at one point, you're like, is it possible that Jack Burton's not really even here? I threw out the idea, well, maybe Jack Burton's even just telling this story and kind of like inserting himself into this story. It's like his imagination of it. I think that's because of that dreamlike quality to it, where you're just seeing pure chaos and madness. You know what I mean? It's just like flowing from Mm -hmm. one thing to the next. Sometimes it seems a little disconnected. Things are just, okay, we're here and now we're here and then we went here. But it has that feel to it, which is what makes it super interesting and like, Rewatchable because you can just, like a dream, you're like peeling back layers to it and different pieces to it if you're analyzing it. Only a dream yeah. can kill a dream. What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> so my last award kind of hits on both the dreamlike quality and something you already talked about. I call it the where do these creatures come from award. You know, we have this mystical quality to this whole movie. That is one thing, you know, people have power shooting lightning from fingers, can live for a long time. But then you have these other things, creatures, you know, large creatures coming out of this hole. You have this flying ball of eyeballs that can see people and this really weird and bad special effect hairy creature that just looks like a guy in a suit. What's up with these dudes? Where are these? How are these things connected to anything? Where are they coming from? We're never told anything about them necessarily. What's their um, origin? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know, man.
1: The spider thing that comes out of the hole—that
0: is, it's that weird. part is totally random. They're just in the—they're just in the underground, and at one point, this spider creature just—if it's a spider creature—I don't know—it just at one that, point it just comes out grabs somebody, goes back in. And even he says, "What? <laughs> what will come out of the wall?" Yeah. Like again, maybe it yeah. points to just the dream like quality or just the kind of anything goes aspect of the movie, which I yeah. like. There's no point we see him like conjuring up a creature or making making that happen where we're like, oh, okay, that's why this could happen, or where these totally different creatures are even coming from, or how they could live in this world. I guess we just know that anything is possible. These things can be in this world accepted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we hope that you liked our little uh, fanfare of Big Trouble in Little China. 35 years, going strong. People still have a lot of love for Big Trouble in Little China. b as we like to call it. Yep.
0: 35 years later. If you haven't seen it, it's still worth a watch. If you haven't watched it in a while, revisit it. It still holds up pretty well. Still a lot of fun. It's entertaining. You won't go away disappointed, I don't think. No. Definitely not. It's unlike anything else you've ever seen, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and as Jack Burton would say, we really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang?
0: There you go. That's it for this episode of Movies and Marketing. Until next time, let's fade to black. I'll be back. He's not coming back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.